Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Love Rules. Today's message, a love letter from God. Our text today is from Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, the first through the fourth verses. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. When was the last time you received a love letter? How many of you have ever written one? Now, listen, texting LOL does not count. I try to tell my son that all the time. We're not even sure what that means, if it's lots of love or laughing out loud. The truth is, love letters have gone the way of all letters. People just don't write anymore. I know I sound like the old school marm, but it would be so nice if we wrote a little bit more. With the advent of email and IMS and Twitter and all those other technical and technological ways of communicating, this younger generation isn't the least bit interested in waiting a couple of days for a message, let alone writing one. Anything worth saying these days has to be instantaneous. And if it can't be interpreted in acronyms, O-M-G-K-L-O-L, then I guess it's not going to be written. What's so good about an old-fashioned letter? It takes time and effort and thought. You can absolutely not multitask while writing a good letter. Most importantly, it represents undivided attention. When you sit down to write a letter, you think about the person to whom you write. You want to make sure that you include something that this person is going to want to read. It's personal, and it's personalized. You know, we live in a depersonalized era. We're so connected to this technology, to our machines, our smartphones, our iPads. I walk around sometimes with my smartphone so that I don't put it down and forget about it. And I look rather silly, I think, walking from the bedroom to the kitchen, holding on to my smartphone, but we all do it. And here's the irony of this. With all that we have in technology, we still run the risk of disconnecting from each other. Why would I talk to you when I can just text you, even if you're in the same room? And write an involved letter to you? That makes no sense. But that's what makes today's biblical text so beautiful. The prophet Isaiah has deferred his own voice to that of the divine. So the I in the text is God, the only speaker. I have redeemed you, God says. I have called you by name. I will be with you. That's the kind of love letter that I need to read every day. 
It's comforting and consoling and to know that it comes directly from God. Now, in context, God is speaking to Israel, the bloodied, bruised, and battered nation that has been conquered by the Babylonians is frozen in fear over its circumstances. These people are in this predicament as a result of their disobedience. They have forgotten they are a royal and holy nation, chosen over other people, not because of who they are, but because they worship God. So their fears are not unfounded, but God tells them to cast aside their fears. He tells them he will exchange other nations for them. He will bring back their scattered sons and daughters from every direction. Yes, they will go through hard times, but they will not be alone. God has redeemed them. The Hebrew term for redeemed is gall, which is translated as buy back or act as kinsmen. In ancient times and in some Middle Eastern and African nations today, when people are taken into slavery, the only way they can be freed is when their kinfolk, their tribe, their relatives buy back their freedom. Well, God makes this claim based on God's relationship and responsibility for Israel's existence. I created you. I formed you. You are my. The claim is direct and clear. How can a mother forget her children? How can the creator abandon his creation? I am so thankful you've joined us today. Remember, Love Rules is totally listener-supported. Won't you make a donation right now to keep this program on the air? Log on to RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org and click on Giving. That's RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org. Click on Giving. Thank you. God bless you. Now, there is a judgment here. God says there will be floods and fires. The people of Israel were familiar with that kind of judgment. They had been in waters over their heads before. In fact, they had seen their enemies drown in the very waters that saved them. They had memorized the stories of deliverance from fiery furnaces. But how could they believe they would survive again? Well, they could believe it because the word came from God. God's word cannot fail. And as the word is taught us Sunday after Sunday, and every time we go into our Bible, God's judgment never stands alone. You see, that's the good news about this judgment. Yes, there is wrath that is part of God's nature. If we don't obey, we do have to pay the consequences. But when you speak of God's judgment, you have to speak of God's mercy. Israel, deserving God's judgment, could still depend on God's grace. Reformed theologian Karl Barth calls this the dialectic of God. You see, his theory is that God is too big and complex to be limited to one quality at any one time. While we usually think of God according to our narrow anxieties or our limited desires, we forget that God is greater than anything we can ask or imagine. You cannot box God in. So when you speak of God's attributes, you can't isolate them. You can't just say, God is an angry God. You can't just say, God is as a merciful God. Because you see, God's justice is bound up in his holiness. His wisdom is connected directly to his sovereignty. His judgment is definitely linked to his mercy. And it's all tied up into God's love. Why does God love Israel so? You know, I think that's a tough question. 
Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. God comes to this poor, oppressed people in bondage to the Pharaoh of Egypt, and in a series of great saving acts through fires and floods, he liberates them out of his amazing love. He creates a covenant with them. Know, therefore, that the Lord is your God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Whenever Israel disobeyed, God's heart must have been broken, but there was always a consequence. Still, it never diminished God's love. God has the same love for you and me, and we really don't know why. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, I chose you. It's nothing we've done. We don't deserve God's love because we're sinful people. It's really a mystery. It was a mystery for the Israelites, a mystery for humankind from the very beginning. But God loves us. We are his very own. He brought us into being. Remember, creation was not only an act of God's power, it was an act of God's love. Yet, we don't understand that love. We don't practice that love. We don't feel that love. A young man returns home from prison where he's languished for years on a drug charge. He looks around the neighborhood where he grew up, but he wonders if anything here will be the same. He doesn't feel at home, and he doesn't feel loved. A young woman finally leaves her boyfriend who's been abusing her for years. She grabs her children, rushes to a shelter, but after a few days she feels lost. Maybe she should go back. Maybe what she experienced was love. An old woman lies in her sickbed. Her children rarely visit, and now she's been hit with a chronic illness. She doesn't feel like sitting up. She feels worthless. There are so many people around us, maybe right in our own families, who feel worthless and unloved, who have been tossed around and beaten up and worn down by the world. If God is so great and has so much love, how come so many people feel unloved? Like the Israelites, we forget to whom we belong. One of the most profound passages in the Bible, 1 John 4, 8 and 16, remind us God is love. Belonging to God means we belong to love. Love is not just something God does. Love is who God is. His nature and essence are love. We all go through the waters and fires of trying times and difficulties when we feel over our heads and totally unprepared for life's challenges. Those are the times when we may feel that God will not be there for us, and that's a scary feeling. What makes us worthy is not our individual achievements or our so-called status in the world. What makes us worthy is God's gracious love. If only we would believe that and treat each other like God treats us. Our love is conditional, and that is what messes us up every time. I love you because you look good. I love you because you take care of me. I love you because you agree with me. When we speak of God's love, we're not talking about that sentimental or romantic love. We are talking about that unconditional, sacrificial love. And we get to know it 
through God's Word, His love letters. And all of the Bible, as far as I'm concerned, is a part of the love letter. I hope you'll read your Bible today. You can start with Isaiah 43, but you could just about read anything, including the Psalms, even the angry Psalms. And you will find at the other side a God who loves you more than you will ever know. Take that love today and feel good. Be blessed. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. And remember, our summer Sunday worship schedule, which is in effect right now, is at 10 o'clock. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116.